Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to season one, episode four of our brand new podcast, Learning from Our Legends. I'm Lena and I'm Layla. And today's episode is about the mother of our believers, the mother of the believers. <laughs> Sorry, the mother of the believers, part two. So, guys, um, we'll do a quick recap of our last episode, which was part one. And basically, we spoke a little bit about Khadija radiallahu anha, like who she was. Yeah. We also spoke about like who she was before she met the Prophet and Excellent. how important she was in Mecca. Mm-hmm. And then we we went into a bit about the proposal. We didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. we did. We spoke about the proposal. Yeah, we did. And we went a bit into the um, cave of Hira. Yeah. So that's kind of where we got up to. And a little disclaimer. Please make sure you guys are saying or oh, sending salams on the Prophet Sallallahu when we say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Yeah, I mean, there's so many reasons why, mm. but <clears throat> one of the reasons is the fact that we're literally commanded to in the Quran. If you go to Ayah 56 of Surah Al-Ahzab, which is Surah 33, and as always, it's going to be in the description. Yep. Allah says, Indeed, Allah and his angels send blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi O you who have believed... Send blessings, which is salams, on him as well. So please make sure you're doing that. Yeah. Also, I mentioned last episode about the women promised Jannah. Yeah. A house Yeah, you said something about a house in paradise. So just to confirm, it's only Asiya and Khadija that are promised a house in Jannah. Okay, like explicitly. Yeah. But all of those women are promised Jannah. So all four women are promised Jannah, but only Asiya and Khadija were promised specifically a house in Jannah. Because Asiya, she asked for a house. It was mentioned in Surah Tahrim, verse 11, um, where she said, My Lord, build for me near you a house in paradise and save me from Fir'aun and his deeds and save me from the wrongdoing people. Okay, so it's only her and Khadija. Khadija, yeah. With Khadija, I think we go into it a bit later. So what she was promised. Okay. Or shall I go into it now? Go into it now, actually. Okay, so Abu Huraira reported... That angel Jibreel came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, O Messenger of Allah, here is Khadija coming to you with a dish of food. When she arrives before you, greet her with peace on behalf of her Lord and myself and give her the glad tidings of a palace made out of pearls and jewels in paradise. Oh, wow. That's just amazing. Imagine getting that. That's like, amazing. Getting that, like, blessings. And that was from angel Jibreel. Jibreel, yeah. And he told the Prophet ﷺ that. Salams from your Lord. So she had salams from Allah. Wow. And from Angel Jibreel. And she's also promised, which is such an amazing thing. Wow, that is that is really beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so we got to the point where we said that the Prophet ﷺ was in the cave of Hira. And what happened was is he would go there and he would spend long periods of time there. And his wife would obviously send provisions with him. Mm. And even though the people thought it was strange... Yeah. She supported him in doing that. And it just so happens that this is where he got the first revelation. Yeah. And so the angel Jibra'il came to him and he said to him, read. Now the Prophet ﷺ, he was illiterate. Yeah. So he couldn't read or write. And this is one of the, like, the biggest miracles of the Qur'an because how can, how can someone who doesn't read or write be able to like how can they be able to come out with such amazing words and the thing is yeah if you look at the prophets there's a bit of a like side point yeah yeah. if you look at the prophets a lot of them they came with things that were like the propaganda of their time so like Musa his miracle was 
the staff turning into a snake, so sorcery, yeah. right? Because that was like the, the big, big thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. And at the time of the Prophet Sallallahu like the so Arabs sad. were into their poetry. It was mm. all about spoken word and poetry. Mm. And for him to come up or come out with something that is next level, that's what was the crazy thing in society at the yeah. time. It was yeah. the propaganda, if you will. And so um, he said to Angel Jabrail, I do not know how to read. And Angel Jabrail said to him again, read, like he shook him. And he said, Imagine I don't know how, how to read. how scary that would have been. It's, it's terrifying because later on, um, I'll, I'll mention it, but the Prophet Sallallahu has told us some descriptions about the angels. Yeah. But, um, and then he said it a third time. He said, read. He said, I don't know how to read. Mm. And then he recited the following. So I'm going to speak it. Um, so he said, Iqra, which means read. Iqra, he said, Iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. Read in the name of your Lord who created you. Well, it's, it's actually open. It said who created. And mm. it's open because he created everything. everything yeah. yeah. And it gets into that. What did he create? خَلَقَ insana min alaq. He created man from a clot. اِقْرَأْ وَرَبُّكَ akram. Read and your Lord is the most generous. الَّذِي عَلَّمَ بِالْقَلَمْ He who taught the man... Well, he taught man the use of the pen, or by the pen. Taught man that which he did, he did not know. And so that's the first ayahs of, the first five ayahs of Surah Iqra or Surah mm-hmm. Alaq. There's a few names for the Surah. But um, those were the first five verses that were ever revealed. And you just have to, you just have to imagine, because this was at the night, in the mountains, in seclusion. And he used to go there, yeah, he used to go there a lot, and this never happened before. So it must the have been shock. terrifying. Yeah. And angels, they're made of light, so he's got this, like, I can't even, like, we don't, we've never seen angels, but we know Allah's told us that they are, like, massive. So um, some of the descriptions of angels we know is that, They've like so Angel Jibra'il particularly, the important things about him is he's he's he usually is the bringer like the bearer of good news. Cause you know there's angels of death, there's angels yeah. of punishment. Like specific yeah. actions. So Angel Jibra'il, he's particularly important because he brings good news and he came to every single prophet. SubhanAllah. And um in in the hadith the Prophet said Well Ibn Mas'ud narrated to us that the Prophet said that Jibra'il had 600 wings. Wow. And the span of them, when they talk about it, it's like it would wrap this earth. Yeah. Yeah? So this is, it's intangible. Like, we can't even imagine how big daunting, was, that, yeah. how big the angel was and how daunting the experience was. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And so then obviously, the Prophet Sallallahu after getting his first revelation, he was proper shaken up. Yeah, and that goes to when he um, went to Khadija radiallahu anha. Yeah. Um, so Khadija, she heard a loud knock, and it was mad hours in the morning or like yeah. in the night, and she assumed it was somebody she sent to go and look for the Prophet, sorry, Salam, because sorry. she was concerned. He was uh, at the cave of Hira for a very long time, yeah. and she was just worried about his safety. So when she opened the door, she saw the Prophet sorry, Salam, trembling, mm-hmm. and he asked her to wrap me up. So he was saying to her, "Wrap me up, wrap me up." So, Subhanallah. This woman, she's so amazing. She didn't even question. Usually, we would question, like, what's, what's going, going on? on? What happened? Yeah. Even though he's asking, like, wrap me up. We'd be like, okay, but explain to me what has happened. Like, what happened? Are she you didn't okay? question anything. She went, 
got the blankets, wrapped the Prophet Sallallahu up. Um, and then after the Prophet Sallallahu calmed down, he expressed, so he, she allowed him to express. She didn't continue pestering him about it. She allowed yeah. him to express what has happened. And then he started questioning himself and asking, am I getting punished by Allah? Um, has, has like a madness overtaken me? And subhanAllah, she had such confidence in her husband that n- that would not happen because you're such a she knew yeah, she said never Allah a, would yeah. never forsake you yeah she said that she said like never by Allah Allah will never disgrace you for you keep good relations with your kingship you speak you speak the truth you help the poor you give money to the needy and you're generous to your guests you help people that are suffering from hardship so she then she listed his qualities yeah she calmed him down by listing his qualities and telling him what a good person he was that this could never happen to you Why and that rationalizes it because it makes you think i think it, yeah, she like gives him like she kind of backs it up with evidence like yeah. you're such a good person why like, would allah do this yeah. to you? but subhanallah he was so scared but she just had this kindness and softness about her and she, conviction like she she was there was no doubt yeah, in her mind that, confident that yeah. this could not happen and there's a reason behind it which we don't know yet and that's when she went to her uncle to speak to him um, yeah. and ask him, like, what does this mean? Yeah. But she reassured the Prophet Sallallahu that it's nothing bad. Uh, upon unwavering like, support. It can't be something bad. You know, actually, what's interesting, so one of the proofs for the Prophet Sallallahu being a prophet, mm-hmm. so everyone speaks about, like, some of the um, people who've tried to, like, refute him. Like, yeah. a common, um, what's it called, counter-argument is the fact that if the Prophet Sallallahu was, well, there was, there's two things, actually. Yeah. The first is... Who did he preach to first? It was his family. Yeah. So either he, like, like uh, it's so even, it's crazy to think. So either he was so, there was something so, like, twisted that he wanted to mislead his family first. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's illogical. Or, which makes sense, he was going to the people he loved first with the message. Yeah. Right? Because you wouldn't take something harmful to the people closest yeah. to you first. So that's yeah. the first thing. The second thing is, after his death and during his life, he was never exposed. Yeah? What his, do you mean by that? Like, his wives never came out and said, yeah, he did X, Y, Z. The people closest to him always had good things good to things say, to say about, about him. him. Yeah. And the people closest even, to you know everything. Even the people that didn't really know him had good things to say about him. Yeah, but pe- like you can be nice to someone you don't know. Yeah. In, like, if there was... If there was stuff amiss in his household, it would have come out, right? After mm. he died, even. Mm. Like, his wives could have said, oh, he was abusive or something like that. Yeah, which he wasn't. Of course he wasn't. The point is that he wasn't, like, there was no expo- like exposing afterwards or anything yeah, like that yeah. because he was good to the people he Basically, knew best as well. Basically, what he showed the people outside is how he was inside his own exactly homes. so after this the prophet and khadija as well they want like they went to seek more information yeah. and khadija had like a cousin who was blind and also elderly oh he was a cousin yeah he was a cousin of her Wait, what is it what did you I think, think i might have said an uncle yeah no yeah he was a i'm pretty sure he was a cousin he was very uh he was very old though as well he was he, a cousin but yeah like much older than them um and he was like quite well versed in like scripture and stuff mm. and he was the one who told them that this is the same angel when they described it this is the same angel that came to Musa they said yeah. and so then he said to them 
He said to them, um, how I wish that I were young and could live until the time when your people try to drive you out. And obviously this is like a crazy thing to hear. Yeah. And like, imagine the Prophet was like, like, they're going to, they're going to drive me out. Yeah. And he says to him, never has a man come with anything similar to what you have, but that he was treated with enmity. And if I could have lived to see that day, then I would have been there to support you. Oh, I feel like he speaks in poetry a bit. This, <laughs> Maybe this, this is the wording of the book because th- that bit was taken from the book. But he he basically predicted what, what was would to come. Yeah, and he did die a few years later. Yeah, and so basically began kind of the spread of Islam. Now Khadija radiallahu anha, she was the first believer, and after that the Prophet sallam he was preaching to people closest to him. Yeah. So his family and his close ones, mm-hmm. and the message of Islam at this point was private. And it was only later on that they went public with it. But even then, it wasn't it wasn't that public. No, it was semi-public. As in, yeah. So people knew that he was discussing this in, in gatherings and stuff. Yeah, but, but it when was hidden he, as well. Yeah, when he went public with it was when he said to Quraysh, like he called everyone's attention. He said, um, disaster, disaster. And then he said to them, if I were to tell you that there was a great danger coming from behind this mountain, would you believe me? And everyone said, yes, because you're the trustworthy one, you're the truthful one. Yeah. And then he said, yes, well, I am telling you that there's an urgency. And then he told them about the message of Allah, like believe in one God and you're going to be accounted for your sins. Which was very brave because they were, like the Quraysh, the people of Quraysh were known to like worship the idols. Everyone would come to them. Yeah. That tourists, well, not tourists, pilgrims would come to them for their idols. They were like in charge. Yeah. If, you, if that so makes sense. So I can sense. slightly understand how the Quraysh felt. Because that's, but then, like, for example, imagine somebody coming now and telling us. But he asked them first, would you believe me? And Which is crazy. And the crazy thing is, I can't think of one person in society that everyone would believe. Like Twitter, there's so much ways to reach people these days. Just try and imagine when you were in that scenario, you, you used to worship um, idols hypothetically, yeah. used to worship idols and you believed they were your gods. Then you have this one person, obviously he's a trustworthy one, he's truthful, you know... You and know he's, he's yeah, he's refuting everything you've ever believed everything in. Everything you ever believed in and your forefathers and believed your forefathers. in. So you would obviously be a bit defensive and be like, what you? What do you mean? The thing is, Quraysh was more than defensive. Yeah. And the first person to refute him publicly was his own uncle. Yeah. Yeah, and he said, woe to you. And that's when the surah came out later on. Um, which is Surah Tabat Yada. Yeah. Um, what is the actual name for the Surah? Mind blank. The official name for that Surah is Surah Masad. And basically, it's a response to when he called him out in front of everyone. Like, imagine, yes, you're going to expect, like like you said, Quraysh was used to their ways. Yeah. You're going to expect people to be like, what are you on? Yeah. But the first and loudest person to be your own blood? Yeah. Like that, that would have been. But Abu Talib, he took it to extremes. You know, you mean Abu Lahab? Oh, sorry, Abu Lahab. He took it to um, extremes. Like even the fact that um, there's a surah, yeah, under like what he did. Like it's, it's and his a, wife did by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's honourable to have a surah like made about you. But when it's made, when it's negative, like it's describing the negativity yeah. that you've done, that that is dangerous. Yeah, and also he they they used to terrorize Muhammad Sallam a lot and refute him in front of like loads of people like you just mentioned yeah um his uncle refuting in front of the basically the crowd of yeah. the Quraysh and um how his own family 
like you said, Abu Abu Lahab and his wife yeah. were the pivotal problem mm. to um, the terrorizing. And his wife actually used to put fawns outside the Prophet's house. Going out and of being your extra. Way like, to, she's going out here getting fawns. She, like, physically harm him. And then put it outside his house. Like, did you not have anything else better to do? When he went public with his message, he was first refuted from his family. And, like, mm. when his family did accept Islam earlier, like, his daughters who were married, like, their people coming up to their husbands, like, his daughter Zainab, people came to her husband, Abul Asr, because he hadn't um, converted, and they were telling him to divorce his wife. But um, he didn't, because yeah. he said that I love my wife too much and yeah. I respect her message, uh, well, her father's message. Yeah. But um, literally the whole family was under fire. And actually, it's really interesting because in the Quran, and when you look at the early Muslims, there was always regard for those Muslims who believed in the early days. Because remember, Islam Islam got, Islam got spread after that. The whole of Mecca now is all Muslim. But those people who were the, the day ones, if you want to call it. The originals, the OGs. Yeah, those people who believed in the early days when the going was tough, that's and what the is. people going for them, they went through the struggle. They went through the worst struggles. The whole society was turned against them. Yeah, like subhanAllah, now we can take our shahada and we wouldn't get what they got. Like, maybe we get a few. I mean, like, in this country, definitely not. Yeah, like, we but might there's get... certain places in the world where it's just, even yeah. now. We might get like a few Islamophobic, like here, we might get a few Islamophobic um, comments yeah. here and there, but it's like we can still live our lives. Here, they had to hide. They had to hide, they had to keep it really quiet. Quiet, and when they were found out, like, it was people dangerous. were imprisoning people... their own family. People were getting killed, like uh, Sumeya. Yeah, she was killed because she believed that there was only one God. So in the Quran, actually, there's so many ayahs about it, but the first, um, one of the ayahs I found about this was, it's from Surah At-Tawbah, and I'll put it in the description again. And it's, as for the forerunners, who were basically the first of the muhajirun, the, the first of the people who immigrated. So these are the people from Mecca, mm. yeah, who went to Medina later on, mm. right? And these are the people who believed in the early days, right? Because yeah. the message started in Mecca and then later yeah. on everyone did Hijra. Yeah. Um, and he goes, and, and those in Medina, mm-hmm. but it's talking about the forerunners, the people, the first people, yeah? And then the ayah says, oh, and the people who follow them, yeah? Um, in doing good. Because Allah is pleased with them and they are pleased with him. Imagine getting like told that Allah is pleased with you. Yeah, Allah is pleased with them and he's prepared for them gardens under which rivers flow to stay there forever. And that is the that is the ultimate triumph. It is. Ultimate and ima- Im- imagine because like there's there's so many times in the Quran there's certain ayahs who, that came out in the Makki period mm. that were there to give strength and give support to those early Muslims. So they don't lose hope, isn't it? Like a lot of the ayahs in the early days, they're not about rules, right? No. They're about Jannah and they're about the hereafter. It's about the reward and like a bit about the punishments as well, but it was... It's about the hereafter. It's yeah, what you're working for. It's not for. even like this world. And I feel like the way that it was done was was amazing because it's like for example nowadays for reverts yeah. when they revert people need to understand that with reverts they're new to this and it's like for example having a cake if you ate the full cake yeah you end up feeling sick but if you eat slice by slice you get the sweetness of what you're eating that's yeah. like islam if you learn islam slowly mm-hmm. i'm not saying be lazy 
yeah. and not do the bare it's minimum. It's just too much you, to take all yeah, in one if go. You, if you get bombarded with everything, you start becoming sick. Yeah, and that's not how the original message yes, was spread. That, this relates back to when the message was spread, when Allah Taala was being merciful. Like, even with the reverts, you need to just give it to them slowly so then they can understand the sweetness of Islam and not yeah. get sick of it. So I feel like this is what's kind of happened with the new... When Islam came down and the Muslims started learning about Islam and Allah, like, gave them the revelations of be- being hopeful and what they're promised in the hereafter. So actually, there's a hadith that links completely to this because... Um, it's a hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha and she said verily the first verses to be revealed were from the shorter chapters at the end of the Quran and when and those are all about like paradise and hellfire and she said until the people were firmly established upon Islam then the verses of haram and halal came down she goes if the first verse to be revealed was not to drink wine they would have said we will never stop drinking wine and if the first verse to be revealed was not to commit adultery they would have said we'll never stop committing adultery because the it's bigger Af- picture is the message of Islam and then you internalise it, you change your mindset. And you mindset. start to love Islam. Yeah. And then you start... Because obviously if you love something, even if there's hardship that comes it's with it, you're going to still give it stay. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like, obviously Allah knew what he was doing and he knew that if he gave it the other way around, like Aisha radiallahu anha said, there probably wouldn't be much people following Islam because it's like with us, even though we're born Muslims, if we were... It's hard it's to just... give up certain sins, like especially if you're on them for so long. Now, imagine you didn't even think it was a sin or it's something you've been doing your whole yeah, life. Yeah, it's the norm. In Quraysh, it was the norm. Yeah. And then somebody's telling you, don't do it. That's the first thing they're telling you. There's this religion and you don't do all of this. You're going to be like, what are you, huh? And when you look at it, when the verses did come down to stop drinking alcohol, they came down gradually. First, it was, don't pray when you're drunk, when intoxicated. And then the message after that, and this is, I'm so sorry, but this is why people, when they do tafsir of the Quran, need to look at the whole, like, you can't just take ayahs out of context, because then some people have tried to take that verse saying, oh, that means you can drink as long as you don't pray when you're drunk. No, it's a chronology. Yeah, the Quran and it was came for down, that time. Together. Exactly. It was a specific short period of time. And then after that, when the verses of alcohol were sent down, it's they said that the, the streets of Medina were flowing with alcohol. People... Yeah. Straight away. And when, when the verses of hijab came down... The women were ripping clothes. Women were ripping their clothes, putting them on their head, because that was the conviction. But they got to a point to be like that. Yeah. It wasn't just straight And that's wisdom behind it. Exactly. And obviously it's a test nowadays for all of us, but alhamdulillah we had... Like, we were brought up with these rules and regulations, so it's the norm for us. Whereas with them, they, they were brought up on a different, like, lifestyle. Yeah. That's and that's why the same with reverts today. That's why it's yeah. so important to be so merciful and smart. Yeah. Like, the first time someone reverts on, I don't know, they got a tattoo sticking out their sleeve. Oh, you need to get that removed, by the way. I think that's one of the really difficult things for reverts yeah. these days is they have to, they have to deal with so much stuff. And some of them, unfortunately, they get, they, they go, get really they go, hard at the beginning. Yeah, and some of them go back to their jahiliya because of what's happening. And I feel like my advice to others is to be merciful, be merciful, and understand, and be be smart. I'm so sorry. Be smart about what you're gonna say. Because I also know like a Reva who um, like started wearing the hijab mm. and she went to go and do her shahada and you've had like, and she was young, you had girls saying to her, oh, how come your parent doesn't know? Oh, like commenting on about her hijab and everything. And it's like, oh gosh. this is not the way you go about it. Even like the young girls, what, like, what are you doing? This is not the way. It's not. So then the next step was that Quraysh was doing everything they could to 
try and bring people who within like their own little clans who had communities yeah yeah and communities and families who had followed the prophet they were trying to bring them back yeah because like you said this threatened their entire their entire ideology and so then commenced the boycott now the boycott was of banu hashim and uh banu abdul muttalib or banu muttalib because what happened was they also realized that the prophet was very much protected by his uncle yeah yeah and they couldn't really do anything and imagine they offered him everything they offered him wives they offered him kingship they said like you were a decent guy like you can be our king if you want whatever you want money gold treasure wives we've got you and he said to them by Allah if you were to put the sun in one hand and the moon in the other I would never stop he said this to uh, his uncle I would never stop preaching what I preach so it clearly was not about this and it links to like the Prophet and the purity of his message he didn't want any personal gain yeah and so what they did they created a pact and this pact they started it with Bismillahumma. So in your name, in the name of you, Allah, or something like that. But mm. it's um, it's second person, so mm. it's direct. And then they basically wrote that they would not do trade with them. They exiled them. Yeah. They would not, like, no one would support them until they came back to the religion yeah, of their yeah. forefathers, as they like to call it. And so they moved them into tents in the valley. They would stop provisions getting to them. There was so, even a period of time where they didn't have much food as well. But also, if someone was caught trying to take food to them, they'd be stopped by, like, the leaders of Quraysh. Yeah. And so, Khadija, radiallahu anha, she was with the Prophet mm-hmm. through the whole time of this. Yeah. And it was hard. Like, it might, if you think of the desert again, this is Saudi Arabia. Yeah. It is hot. Before they had all the aircon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is hot. There's no water generally as well, because the water's in Mecca. And... There were people just dying of starvation, yeah. sick children, sick mothers, sick elderly. And even like the rest of Quraysh were getting to a point where like, these are our kin, like these are our people. Like, yeah, they're different tribes, but this is inhumane. Mm. This went on for three years. Three years, you're out of your house and you're living in the desert only because of the message of Islam. And imagine the whole, they made the whole clan suffer it shows their determination you know what this reminds me of as well um islam came as a stranger yeah saying islam came as a stranger and it's gonna leave as a stranger yeah it's just crazy like in the beginning they had to hide and like um even with the teachings and all of that and then obviously they were exiled so it was seen weird and then even nowadays you're slowly seeing that islam is and even now like certain stuff that islamic beliefs are weird by society's standards yeah so basically if you're a weirdo because you're following your religion Remember this saying. Yeah. It's an amazing it, it is. reminder, yeah. And that was like kind of one of the things we were thinking about for our podcast. <laughs> um, remember it was something about strangers? Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember um, the exact one, but it was something strangers. Yeah, so um, what they did is, so the pact was hung up in the Kaaba. Yeah. And every time someone would say, we need to end the boycott, they'd be like, well, we signed the pact and it's done now. Yeah. And so what happened was, five men went under the cover of night and they went into the Kaaba and... When they found it, basically mites had bitten away the whole pact. Apart from? Apart from the top, which said, Bismillahum. And then that was when the boycott ended and Banu Hashim and Banu Muttalib were finally able to come home. SubhanAllah, and that was like three years. And Three years is actually so long. That's crazy. And like you said, there was mothers, kids. Like that just shows their determination, their love for Allah. 
and, the and it's also Islam. showing Quraysh's determination and their hatred. Yeah. And this, subhanAllah, after this, the Prophet Sallallahu couldn't really rest because then the year of sorrow came. Yeah. And why was it called the year of sorrow? Because that's when the Prophet Sallallahu uh, uncle, who raised him, known as Abu Talib, passed away. And he was really close to this uncle because he practically raised him after his mother mm. and his father passed away. He raised him as his own. Like you said, he protected him from Quraysh. Yeah. And he was passing away and he felt like he it was um, weighing heavily on him because he wasn't a Muslim too. So yeah. while there's a little bit um, of a story when he was dying, the Prophet was trying to make him yeah. take his shahada, become a Muslim on his deathbed. But then um, Abu Laheb walked in as he was dying, as his soul was leaving his body, and said to him, um, something to do with the forefathers. Are you going to leave the religion of your, of forefathers? your forefathers? And as his soul was leaving, he mentioned the forefathers, and that's how he died. Subhanallah. Not taking his shahada. And obviously that, that was really hard on the Prophet Really, really hard on him. Um, and then, just three months after that, Khadija radiallahu anha passed away. So that's crazy. He couldn't even fully grieve over his uncle, and then the love of his life passed away the mother of his children and the his one who stood by him support. literally the one who stood by him through hardship like like you said during the three years she was sending him food risk in her own life she was literally his rock his like from the beginning before he was a prophet literally the love of his life passed away and um they were actually married for 25 years did you know that no 25 years they were married wow but 25 years they were married so imagine 25 years that was his first wife 25 years of your life living with with such a person and they're just taken away. And we already spoke about what an amazing person she yeah. was. What an amazing wife, mother. Like, she was just an amazing person. Um, and she was irreplaceable. Yeah. Like, I, we need to make that clear because obviously the Prophet Sallallahu later on did marry again. Yeah. Um, but nobody really took Khadija's spot even when she died. The Prophet Sallallahu said that Maryam who's Isa al-Islam's mother. Maryam, the daughter of Imran, was the best amongst the women of her, of, era. Of her time. Yeah. And Khadija is the best amongst women of this time. Of this time. And also he would speak about, he would also speak about Khadija to his companions, telling them about her status in Allah's eyes and all, all that she has done for him. So that's how highly he used to speak about her, even after her death. Years after she died, and he'd married again. He he would still, even, he would speak about her as if she was still there. Yeah. Which was amazing, subhanAllah. But yeah, that's why it was called the Year of Sorrow, because two of the people he really loved passed away. Like we mentioned before, he used to remember Khadija con- continuously, even though she passed away, like it, it would be many, many years. An example of this would be when the Prophet walked through the battlefield of Badr, yeah, the Battle of Badr, and he saw like a pile of money and jewelry, which um, the people of Quraysh would give to pay out their um, like family members that were imprisoned. Yeah. And he noticed a necklace that was part of that jewelry, and his eyes started to well up because it was Khadija's necklace that was given to Zainab. That was given to Zainab, who put it there to um, pay out for her husband. Yeah, and he started to well up, and he literally asked the people. Could you give that necklace back to who it owns and the person imprisoned? Could you do that? And they actually did it because they were touched by his eyes welling. And the reason why he his eyes started to well because he remembered that it was Khadija radiallahu anha's. Another example would be um, he was in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha, and he heard a familiar voice. So somebody knocked on their door and he heard a familiar voice, and memories were like flooding because yeah. it sounded like Khadija. 
And then he realizes Khadija's um, sister, Hala. And he was full of emotions when he realized that and invited her in. And he never, even though she died, he never like left out her friends or yeah, her family. He kept, he kept on like kept giving his respect, like um, even give them a few things as well. Like, yeah. He, he like had... respected her friends after she'd passed away because they were her friends. And that's how it did. Like even the fact that he recognized his her sister's voice yeah. and it sounded like her and he was so emotional and still invited her in also imagine how that made Aisha and her yeah feel. you know what because he'd married again but he never stopped talking about Khadija and her. I feel Even... like he never fully moved on you know what I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't know if we could say that but I don't I wouldn't be surprised if a part of him didn't because she she really was there for him yeah. when no one else we're not saying was. he didn't treat the other wives um probably yeah he did it. Yeah, but he would he would also tell them about Khadija radiallahu yeah. as well. And Aisha radiallahu anha, who we know is a little bit of <laughs> a little bit feisty. Um, she she would be listening to him t- speaking about Khadija radiallahu anha for ages. Yeah? yeah, and I think once she got a little bit um, irritated, and he said to her to send something to her yeah. friends, and because it was like some meat from a sheep he'd slaughtered, and she said, "Why do you keep remembering a wife who is long gone?" Yeah. yeah, she goes. Allah has given you a better wife than her, <laughs> and he said no. He said no. Allah has not given me a better wife than her. She probably he, regretted what she said there and then. Yeah, that, that was wrong. Wrong words. He goes. She she had faith in me when people rejected me, and she believed in me when the people disbelieved in me. Yeah, and she supported me with her wealth when pe- the people prevented me, and Allah blessed me with children through her. And when Aisha heard this, of course, she regretted what she said. Mm. And she knew that he, she, her, her, Khadija radiallahu anha's relationship with the Prophet sallam was different. It was on another level. I feel level. like it was unbeatable. You know when you see like, um, like fairy tale stories and stuff? That was, like a fairy tale was a fairy tale story. And also nowadays it's like, oh, you know, like you see some Instagram couple and you're like, oh, that, that's like some people are like, oh, that's really nice. I wish I have that. Yeah. I, I think I read this post somewhere on Instagram okay. where it mentioned... The story of you should kind of like wish that this your 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 love or your relationship yeah your love halal relationship would yeah. be like Prophet Sallallahu and Khadija radiallahu anha because that's how amazing it was yeah and the way they supported each other and just the love between them and he actually mm. said that he was truly blessed with her love and imagine the Prophet of Allah has this much like there's no like it's not shocking that she was promised. Paradise, and she's one of the women of paradise yeah. because she was the rock to the Prophet Sallallahu who's so important to us yeah. as an ummah. She endured so much. She endured so much and she stood by him. Like, we as Muslims should be so happy that someone so amazing was by our, our Prophet yeah, in such a difficult yeah. time. Yeah. And he was clearly very grateful for that. You know what? When someone's legacy is positive and it lasts, outlasts them like that, yeah, like you just know they get so many good deeds through that, and you just know that Allah's chosen them. Yeah. The thing is, I don't. We have. We've definitely not done her story justice. No, there's so much more about her, but I feel like we had to. We had shorten to shorten it. it, and I hope that if you've re- if you've heard stuff from us that you're interested in, looking or you want into it, yeah, yeah, then look into it, and if you find anything new as well, you can always contact us. Yeah, like us DM us on Instagram or something because yeah. the stuff that we learned, even though it wasn't, we didn't do such a thorough and detailed. It was still thing. very interesting, and there was, to be honest, there was quite a few things I still learned. 
that's why I'm saying the stuff that we learned for this, I feel like that in itself was beneficial. Mm. And I feel like learning about her has made me love her more. Yeah. Because you just realised she was... No, she wasn't just amazing. She was so important. I feel like it gives more respect. Like, you give more respect. In knowing, not saying we didn't have respect for her before, but yeah. knowing a lot about her now, it just... She's just like a respectful woman. Like, you just... You're just in awe. Yeah. And there's so many things that we can learn from her. I mean, there's obviously the support she gave her husband, but also just... I think, like, the way she was in general, like, her household, we didn't really speak about it that much. No, but it was like she lived on very comfortably. Yeah. She had, like, certain things that maybe some people wouldn't have had, but she also looked after um, Zaid and Ali. Yeah, so Zaid was the Prophet Sallam's, like, servant yeah. kind of boy. It was originally Khadija's servant. Oh, she gifted yeah. him to her. And then, and then he, he ended up becoming... Um, I can't remember the word they used, but he ended up becoming... It was like a helping hand. It wasn't quite... He was like he was like family, but he, he was, was an assistant. Help. An That's assistant for the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa And then later on, um, obviously Ali ended up being taken in because his family was poor and couldn't really look after him. So her, her household was one of the happiest filled with smiles and loving embraces. And imagine you just got all these children running in and out, like yeah. the blessings. And plenty of people were never turned down as well. So if anybody went there, they were never turned down. But subhanAllah, it, it, just the blessings... May Allah had. give us all a household, like the household Ameen, of Khadija because imagine people Ameen. come to your house, they feel welcome, and you've got you've got enough blessings from Allah that you're able to open your doors to yeah. other people as well. Yeah. Because, like, you have to be financially, like, okay to do that. Not even that. You know what it shows? Sometimes her heart was big. Even, yeah, I feel like sometimes It wasn't just her house, issue. it was her heart. Yeah. Because you can there not be financially very okay, rich. you can still have like such a warm I don't know like still be open to yeah so stuff like that. there's it's the flip side right you can yeah. be financially not okay but still do loads yeah but so some people are very well off but they don't, don't but they don't much. share their blessings so yeah but I recommend the book the book is really good yeah if, um it's in the description of our last uh last episode and yeah. we can put it in this one again um, I think it's like 15 to 20 pounds somewhere. But mm. honestly, it's just filled with gems because it's so easy to understand, yeah. so easy to read. The way it's written is just beautiful as well. And I feel like, other, like I said, other books I've read, they're not that easy to read. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking... And sometimes you get bored of them as well. <laughs> but this book, I feel like you want to finish it to the end. Like, I haven't read the full book, but the parts I've read, like I said to you, it just... it's. So I, like, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it, like we were saying in the other... Yeah, um, it's just so touching. Podcast. It's just touching, like very heartfelt. Like it's not just... Like the writer has made the words... Um, she's really made you connect with the characteristics. And she's told it like a story as well, so yeah. you're, not, you're not getting paused every five minutes about references and like yeah. um, different opinions of this thing and that thing. So that kind of concludes our story of the first mother. Yeah of the believers with that being said stay tuned yep and next time inshallah we are going to be starting the story of Fatima radiallahu anha who is uh, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's youngest daughter yeah assalamu alaikum